Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. We're making advanced horsemanship accessible, sharing down-to-earth training advice and practical exercises with horsemen dedicated to accomplishing their goals. Whether you're hitting the trails for fun, training a project horse at home, or refining maneuvers for reining or cowhorse competition, we'll help you take your horsemanship to the next level. Thank you for joining us. We want to hustle through a series of Q&A questions, things that we've gotten from Facebook that we find interesting that we want to answer here. And a lot of this stuff is like respect or behavioral issues, but we're not going to go too incredibly in-depth into that. I think a lot of trainers, and we, we are guilty of this as well, we spend too much time couching and setting things up, setting the table as we call it and trying to multi-layer in all the contexts and possibilities and everything else, we're going to really try to cut that down in this segment. I just want to make the point up front that when we're talking about these issues, a lot of people will hit back, they'll counterpunch to what we're doing, and they'll say, well, you're talking about this behavior as if it's a problem, okay? And in horse psychology, there's no good and there's no bad. There's, there's no good behavior, there's no bad behavior, there's just behavior. and well, yeah, from the horse's perspective, I mean, he only knows what we allow him to get away with. He just, he's going to settle into the routines and habits that we allow to be created or that we cause ourselves. And that's certainly true. But there is certainly, in our opinion, good and bad behavior from a horse in relation to what he, what we want him to be doing and how we want that relationship to be, not just training wise, but from a basic safety perspective. Is this horse's behavior dangerous or not? Is he being reactive or not? Is he being respectful or not? Is he listening and acting in a thinking methodical way or is he being really reactive and scrambly right now? There are behaviors we want to create and coach and develop in a horse. And I hate hearing this language of it basically amounts to just passing the buck or the flip side of that is it's all the human's fault. It's the baggage you've brought to the table. The horse is this innocent angel that can never try things, try to see what they can get away with, test the human, etc., which is BS. We all know that horses test us, push the envelope, see what they can get away with, try to put in minimal effort. They'll just try things out of the blue, and we need to deal with that. So the way I look at it is maybe there's not, quote, bad behavior, but there's certainly unwanted behavior. Just like unwanted plants are, that's basically the definition of a weed. doesn't have to be a specific plant. It's just, is it in the right time and place? A beautiful rose bush would be considered a weed if it was growing in the middle of a soccer field. It's the wrong time and the wrong place for that to be there. So let's get into some of these training questions here. The first one I wanted to go into is problems with leading. And this is a pet peeve of mine. When horses are really sluggish, lazy, they act like an old burrow that wants to shuffle along and not come up off of halter pressure and stay with you. It's really, the solution is super easy. It's just the fixing it is incredibly boring and repetitive, and no one wants to take the time to devote, say, 20 minutes once a day, two, three days, to actually just going into the arena and fixing this. I mean, you have to teach your horse how to lead. It's not something they just naturally are going to pick up on themselves. Yeah, it is an easy concept to get across, but it's also monotonous, and it, it takes a little bit of time to teach. Basically, you want a horse to lead up beside you better, go in the arena, works best in a nice big arena with long straight fence lines to work with you just 
get a little ways off the fence, four to five feet off the fence, so that there's basically a lane or a gap between you and the rail that ideally you want the horse to be walking in, and you want the horse to be walking beside you. You want to start with the lead rope. Let's say the horse is on your right side, so you've got the lead rope in your right hand, and you're about a forearm length, maybe slightly more than that, down from the snap on the lead rope. The rest of it you can coil up loosely, or if it's a short enough lead rope, you can let drag. Ideally, you want a long lead rope in case they pull back and try to get away from you. You've got enough rope there. And you also want to have a training stick and a string to carry in your outside hand or on the the opposite hand to the one that's holding the rope. So in this case, if you're walking down with the rope in your right hand, stick in your left, start by walking forward at a normal pace, leaning forward with your upper body. That's the cue for that horse that he needs to take note. And with that rope hand, you're actually going to reach forward. Think about pointing forward with that index finger on that hand. As you do that, as you reach forward, the halter and the lead rope is going to make contact with that horse's pull. It's going to put some tension on the rope. It's going to put some pressure behind the horse's ears on that halter. And that's the cue for him to say, hey, come up here, get off that pressure. The horse doesn't. You're going to continue facing forward and trying your best to walk forward. Keep trying to walk forward. Keep maintaining that tension on the rope. But with your other hand that's got the stick, you're going to swing the stick to the side and behind you in a big arc, keeping your arms straight. And you're going to swing the stick around to where you're reaching behind you and allowing the stick to smack that horse on the butt. You want to reach back far enough that you actually do spank the horse behind the drive line. You don't want to smack him on the shoulder or the neck or on the ribs. You want to encourage him to drive up forward and get beside you. And you just want to be conscious of how hard you spank the horse initially. You don't want to just ask and then wail on the horse. You want to make sure that you start with the lightest amount of pressure with that stick and slowly increase it. If just a little tap with the stick gets the job done, fine, but you have to feel it out. You know, maybe a little tap, maybe you have to reach around and and thump him on the hindquarters with the stick. Whatever level of pressure it takes to motivate him to get up there. If the horse were to stop or back up, then you just maintain the pressure with your hand, try to keep your body leaning forward, cueing the horse in the direction you wanted him to go, but you may have to walk or even hustle backwards, still tapping with that stick on that horse's hindquarters until he finally stops backing up and finds that release going forward. Now, if the horse were to go too far forward on you, as a general rule, if they're pretty green, they're going to they're going to lag way behind you, and then they're going to be way too in front of you. So as a general rule, if I'm teaching this, and they get a little ahead of me where their shoulder is up next to my shoulder, too far for, you know, for me personally, I like it when their throat latch is about even with my shoulder. So if they're up a little too far ahead than what I would like, in the beginning, I may just walk a little bit faster because they're kind of a little bit nervous and unsure of what they're supposed to do, and so they'll be kind of walking a little fast beside you. And so you just speed yourself up a little bit, and pretty soon the horse will find that rhythm where they're supposed to be next to you. Now, if they just blatantly run forward, just stop where you're at, pivot to the inside, so away from the fence, pivot a 360, so you shut down that horse's momentum, you bring him around you, and then back up beside the fence again, and then you you head off again. You've also got the stick there to prevent the horse from running over you. You know, you're swinging it behind you and spanking the horse on the hindquarters to drive him up beside you, but if he wants to run into you too much, You can also bring it forward and tap on his face, tap on his jaw, tap on his neck, do whatever you need to do to get him off of you. But yes, if you've got a horse that has historically been real sluggish about leading, you motivate them that way, and now all of a sudden they're being too forward. I like to try to build confidence there and maybe jog with the horse a little bit. 
I won't immediately correct him for being too forward, but you can play with that over several sessions and find that balance there. Because it will take a couple of sessions for a horse to really figure out they'll they'll kind of seesaw back and forth between being too slow and too fast. And it takes a couple sessions before they find that happy medium. Let's go to the next question here. This is from a lady who says that her horse is not really head shy. She can touch all over his face, halter him, touch his ears, no problem. But when she tries to put the bridle on, he starts throwing his head up and rooting his nose and trying to evade that. And it seems like a habit that has kind of crept up on her. She never faced it until recently. And now it's getting real bad to the point where it's hard to get the bridle on. Now, there was a lot of people saying, well, this must be specifically a head shy issue. And based on what she presented, it's not really a head shyness issue. It's simply the horse has learned just out of habit to kind of shake his head, move his head around, root his nose, flip his head up and try to avoid the bridle. This is just kind of a habit he's in. And it's not something, I mean, there was a lot of excuses being thrown out, potential causes from the horse having ticks or mites on his skin to fungus in his ears to some sort of pain issue with his ears or that it was maybe a dental problem that he needed a vet check or a chiropractor, you know. And then there was other people suggesting, well, why don't you just use handfuls of grain to coax the horse's head down or just ride the crap out of him, put a lot of wet saddle pads and just get him super wore out or why don't you just put him in the round pin and round pin him till he's sweating bullets and then put the bridle on. So you've got a couple of different options in our opinion uh, if you really want to work on this. The best way is put a rope halter on and then work on this bridling issue specifically. You want to have a rope halter so that you've got a cheek piece or something to grab onto. So if the horse goes to pull his nose away or throw his head up, you can put some pressure on him and bring that head back to you. What you want to do to start with is just practice cradling his head and having his nose tipped to you like he's supposed to be doing when you start your bridling process. So if the horse won't even lower his head or tip his head to you without the bridle being present, you want to work on that. But this is assuming, and from what it sounds like, that's not an issue. So then what you want to do is move from having the horse's head cradled to starting the bridling process. Again, providing you've done your bridling homework and it's not truly a head shyness issue. But you'll have that horse's head cradled. You'll have your outside hand. With most people, it's going to be the right arm kind of up and over the top of the horse's head, which is also holding the crown piece of the bridle. And you've got your other hand guiding the bit into his mouth and helping him open that mouth. But you've also got your left hand there ready to kind of catch the cheek piece of the halter if he goes to pull his nose away. What you want to do in this case is be really methodical with every step of the bridling process. You want to be real slow and smooth, and you want to ease through every step. First, cradling the head, getting the bridle in position, having it go in the mouth, drawing the bridle up with your with your right hand, not shoving it or lifting it in with your left. You want to pull the bit up into his mouth with your right hand, and then slip it over the ears. But again, you want to draw that head stall back and start going over the ears and again keeping everything real slow and methodical as you move through the process you're looking for that speed bump where you get that initial reaction to where the horse tenses up or acts like he wants to take that nose or his entire head away from you and you can catch him in that moment and draw that head back to you and hold that position so let's say you get the bridle 50% on just as a as a mental reference here so you're 50% of the way through and the horse suddenly tenses up and tries to pull his nose away. 
So you're going to maintain with that outside hand, with that right hand, keep that bridle pulled up in his mouth, even though you don't have it slipped over his ears yet, and hold that bridle on his face while you use your left hand on the cheek piece of the halter to draw or, if necessary, jerk his head back into position. You want to hold that and encourage him to come back to you and cradle his head there again. And then when he softens and relaxes for several seconds, then completely retreat. Slip the bridle off, rub on his face, let him know he did a good job, and then go right back and repeat the process again. So now your starting point in this example was 50% of the way through. So you're going to take the bridle off, rub, retreat, relax, start it again. Maybe you get to 51% of the way through and the horse tenses up. Hold it there, draw his head back to you, hold that bridle still. Don't try to complete the process, but don't pull it out of his face either. Keep it there. Keep it at 51%. And then when he relaxes, retreat. And then maybe the next time you get it on, it's 52%. Or maybe you jump up to 60 before you get a negative reaction. Rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat until you get 75, 85, 95, 100% of the way on. And then just to seal that off, do a few more repetitions with the bridle. And this is something you're going to have to repeat on a daily basis until this isn't an issue that ever comes up. And even then, you want to maintain your good bridling habits from from thereafter. Maybe you've been, instead of being methodical with it, you've been kind of ripping it on and letting the bridle clang on his teeth on the way out. Maybe you've been letting him get away with lifting his head up or pulling his nose away and you haven't really corrected it. And now, because that's something he's just been trying, it's become a worse habit. So you just have to not only correct it, but then don't allow it to crop back up again. Make him bridle and unbridle correctly every time and be methodical about that. Now, if it's real bad, if he's really jerking his his nose up and away from you, this is kind of where the fine line is between what's manageable. Like if he gets kind of stiff and tense or tries to pull his nose away, if you can keep his head cradled and bring him back there and get him to relax, then I would release to that when he does settle back in. But if he's really trying to pull and root his nose away or throw his head up, you need to correct that much more aggressively. The the line is between him simply casually avoiding you versus blatant disrespect and trying to rip his head and his nose away from you. And this is different than a spookiness or a head shyness issue where the horse is just kind of fearful or nervous about your hand or the bridle being around their face. This is pure. This is premeditated. This is the horse consciously making an effort to avoid you. And if they're doing that, then you need to up the intensity by as soon as they pull that head away, you need to jerk aggressively on the cheek piece of the halter to bring that head back into line saying, come here, come back to me and make a big point of doing that pretty aggressively, like to the point where it kind of rattles his cage a little bit and gets him to realize this isn't mess around time. He needs to focus, stay relaxed and stay with you not be looking off with the fairies or pulling his head away from you. Now, if he's really doing that badly, you can up the pressure yet again, if need be, by jerking his head back to you initially and then using the halter and lead rope to back him up aggressively. Jerk, 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 bump, 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 down with rhythm on that halter really aggressively and back that horse up. Hustle that horse backward as hard as you can for 60 to 75 feet. All the while, you're holding the bridle in your other hand as you're backing this horse up with the lead rope and the halter. And then as soon as you stop, immediately go back to that bridling process. Rinse and repeat. So 
It's kind of a judgment call, depending on how premeditated and disrespectful the horse is being. If he's just casually moving his head around, try to hold him cradled there until he relaxes. If he's really pulling his nose away, jerk his head back to you. Keep a halter on him when you're working on this so that you've got something to grab onto and bring him back into the fold. And if he's really ripping his head away from you or tossing it up, back him up aggressively. Make that behavior feel uncomfortable and then present the better option, which is just stand still, let me cradle your face and put the bridle on. And again, all that is separate from what you would do if it was a true head shyness issue. This is simply avoidance of the bridle issue out of disrespect. Let's move on to the next question, which is, my horse sometimes backs up when I'm cueing him to go forward. I'm not putting any pressure on his face, but sometimes it's like he's stuck in reverse or confused. What do I need to do here? I'll let you kind of handle this, Luke. In my mind, sometimes young horses especially will do this purely out of confusion and just being green. And sometimes older horses, on the other hand, will be kind of premeditated. They're kind of sullen up and being disrespectful and pissy and not wanting to just move their feet and get going. They're like an old Buick with a worn-out transmission. They just don't want to go anywhere. So with a young horse, you want to find a way to break their feet loose and get them unstuck, but not wail on them. Right. Like a young horse, a lot of the time, it's mainly done out of confusion. And especially a young horse that has a lot of body control and a lot of buttons developed on him, but he's still real green mentally. You know, like when you cue him to go forward, he doesn't know if, he, if he's supposed to put his neck down or back up or go forward or what. And, and they'll kind of, they'll kind of have like a bit of a, a brain fog patch and they don't know quite what to do. And so they back up and they're, they're kind of like the, the old tale of like the city dweller that brings up the gifts to the king. And then they back away to show reverence. And like, I don't want any trouble. You know, here's my gifts. I'm paying my taxes. You know, I'm a good citizen. Don't punish me, blah, blah, blah. And your cult is doing that same thing. They're like, I'm a little confused right now, but I'm not looking for any trouble here. I'm, I'm just real humble. I'm just backing away here. And the fix to that is very easy. All you do is just tip their nose a little bit to the side and you just break up that momentum and direct it toward the side and they'll immediately break off from that backup and you'll be able to walk them right out. You know, just tipping that nose is enough to get the job done. I see a lot of people that the moment the horse goes back like that, especially on a young colt, they immediately audible to, oh, it's being disrespectful. And I was squeezing, now I need to spank. And they just haul off on it, and they over-under the horse and make it jump forward. And it was really uncalled for, and it really kind of shocks and scares the horse. And then pretty soon, now they're standing there, or they won't stand still. They're all jittery and nervous, you know, because they're not sure exactly when the the Thor's hammer is coming down on, on them. So a young horse is just backing up, and it's just purely out of confusion. Just tip their nose to either left or right, break them loose. But then there's the older horses that are kind of in a disrespectful habit of trying to sole up, suck back, and it's like they feel like they can sink back out from under you and escape that pressure and hide from your legs. So what do you do in that scenario? So when it's obvious that it's done out of blatant disrespect, especially on an older horse, one that's kind of pee-hearted and doesn't have a whole lot of try, and they know that when you cue the horse to go forward, it's just going to mean more work of some kind. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that, and they start to back up to try and avoid it then you need to say, no, you need to get your butt moving right now, Fluffy. And so you're going to squeeze very gently. You're, you need to be very subtle with your cues on a horse like this. So sitting there raking them with the spurs is not helpful. No, no, absolutely not. Because what you're all you're doing there by excessively spurring on the horse like that is you're actually making them duller and duller and more resentful and more sold up off of your legs. 
So if the horse is just backing up like that, rather than kick, 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 and waiting for the horse to, you know, back circles around the arena until you finally slam into a corner, get your, get either a spanker or you double up your reins if you have split reins, and spank side to side off of a gentle squeeze from your calves, give the horse a chance, and then spank side to side and continue that with rhythm until the horse lurches forward. And we want to use the spanker instead of our spurs because our legs just constantly kick, 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 kick are going to shorten up the, the horse, their whole body. It's going to shorten their stride, suck them back more. We want to lengthen their stride and get them to stretch out physically with their body. And so we want to use direct the pressure to the, the farthest part of their body from behind the driveline. So you get that spanker or double up your reins and over under, spank that horse side to side until they finally get moving forward and then release the pressure. And a horse like that that's sticky footed would probably benefit from a lot of loping exercises like cruising, going diagonal across the arena, different loping exercises to just blow the cobwebs out of the muffler, free up mentally and physically, and just get get moving, get going somewhere. And also get more respectful of your legs, that when you cue with your legs, it means go forward and it means go forward now. Here's another question from a lady that has an untouched weanling that she just recently purchased and it doesn't want to be caught. I don't know the whole backstory. I'm not going to go into life story on why this weanling is not halter broke yet, but this horse doesn't want to be caught and she's looking for advice to get the halter on. And while we're not going to go into an entire full and weanling and yearling training series right here on the podcast, we wanted to point out that you're looking at this problem a little bit wrong here. Your goal initially with these horses, this young, should not be, come here, you know, like uh, the vampire saying to Van Helsing, come here, with his claw outstretched. Like, that's what a lot of people act like around young horses. They, They have an obsession with getting up and touching them on the face and groping them on the face and getting a halter on them and all this stuff. You shouldn't be going at their head like a predator, getting a halter on is not the priority right now. Ideally, before this horse gets a lot bigger, you want to put him in the strings and start teaching him how to move off that pressure in a, in a lot more productive way because trying to halter break a horse at this stage when it's this reactive is going to be like trying to break a llama on crack to the halter. It's going to be jumping around, twisting around sideways, and you're going to spend the entire session fighting this horse on the halter, be much more productive to get him in a little run or a large stall and get him in the strings and teach him how to move off of pressure to his neck and his hindquarters. The aim of this question is oversimplified because it's not that easy to just say, run him into a corner and then put it on and start pulling on him. Or do the round pinning exercises with him and catch him that way. Exactly, because we're looking at a weanling. So they're not just their capacity for air and energy, like physically, but also mentally, their their attention span is very short. We're talking like 15 to 20 minute session. Immediately putting a halter on a horse like this, all they're going to do is struggle and fight the whole session, and you're going to end up with a physically and mentally exhausted weanling to where they're mentally completely given up. They're not even looking to try anymore. And physically, at that young age, they're going to fight so much that they'll be absolutely exhausted to the point where they're actually going to be damaging themselves either bowing tendons or, you know, they could easily strain or tear a suspensory just from that struggle because their bodies are so underdeveloped that it doesn't take much to wear them out. And there's that line between a horse that's tired and one that's out of air, and now you're running the risk of an injury. Well, that line is super fine when we're talking about foals and weanlings. 
So the best model that we've come across for teaching a horse like this, just getting them broke, getting them thinking about how to come off of pressure, and eventually getting them respectful to the halter, is that you start with strings. You basically have a neck rope and a butt rope. A lot of times it'll be kind of a thinner rope. That's why we call it strings. Not like a super fat, soft rope that's totally ineffective, but not a hard, stiff cord or a wire either. Just a smaller rope, one loop over the neck, one loop around the butt, and there's, there's a specific way that you work with them on both sides of their body, using the strings to guide and use pressure and release to get the horse thinking about how to move their hindquarters and forequarters off of the pressure of the strings, as well as back up. What you then want to transition to is after you've got them moving off those strings really well, you want to use a, a long line looped over the neck and around the hindquarters in a way, again on both sides, to teach them how to come up off of pressure. And that actually translates into leading down the road. You want them leading off the butt rope in the strings first, and then you transition to that long line and get them leading with that. And then you can transition from there into actually teaching them from a distance how to come off that pressure, how to turn toward you when you put pressure on the rope, and eventually actually step towards you when you put pressure on the rope at a distance. And that's the start of your leading. You do all of that on both sides, get them really broke in the strings, as well as with the long line. Some guys use a lariat. We like using kind of a, a thicker long line rope, but it works the same way. And only then, once the horse is, is broke to that, are you really ready to put a halter on the horse's face? Because by then, you've spent enough time preparing them that it's going to be an easy transition. Plus, you've given the horse some time to grow a little bit bigger to where now this is, this is the right stage to be putting a halter on their face and getting them broke to that. And the key here, too, is once you get that halter on the horse, you've done all this prep with the butt rope. And that hasn't just been there just to somehow be able to drag the colt up behind you when you want it to lead. Once you finally get that halter on, guess where we go to teach it to lead off that halter pressure? To the butt rope. We ask with that, just like we did with the long line previously when we didn't have the halter on. Well, now we're doing the same thing with the halter because it's a different pressure than that neck rope was when we had the long line. So we ask with the halter pressure and then tell with the butt rope and pull that horse up to us. And so we ha once that halter goes on, we have to repeat the same steps we did with the long line, not only getting it to, to follow us by ask, tell, ask, tell, but then also getting them to turn and face us and give us two eyes when we gently comb that long line and apply pressure to that long line. So you have to then backtrack a step to reteach using the stuff that we've done beforehand. All the stuff that comes in the strings and the long line all pays off once we go to the halter. Once that's done, and you've gotten all those steps accomplished in the halter, then you can actually start doing like little baby watered-down versions of groundwork with it if you wanted to tinker with it. But remember, 15 to 20-minute sessions are the max these horses can handle at that age. And really, as a general rule, once you've gotten a halter broken to the point where you can lead it around with a halter and they're moving off the butt rope really good and you can get to the point where you don't need the butt rope anymore. A lot of the time, unless you're just looking for time to kill, there's not a whole lot to be gained by running this horse through all the groundwork exercises at that age. Because it turns out that, you know, especially a lot of people do this as a weanling, then they turn it out and then they bring it back as a yearling and they do the same thing with it. Then they bring it back as a two-year-old and they do the same thing. And now pretty soon it's doing the same groundwork that it did as a weanling now for the next 15 to 20 years of its life. So there is almost zero need 
to take this Wayne thing and go out and start, well, I'm going to take my, you know, my five-month-old foal and we're going to go jump log jumps and jump water j- obstacles and stuff. Like, there's there's very little need for that because guess what? And rather than, than boring this horse and souring him from constantly being told to do something all the time when you're with him, let him be a horse, let him grow up, and address it when he's able to ride, and you can actually put this groundwork to use so that it'll translate better to your work under saddle. This is the last thing I'll say on this question. It kind of pains me sometimes to see questions like this because, oh, uh, you know, you'll see it all the time of, what do I do with my untouched weanling? Or those of you that start two-year-olds, do you have a program or you just kind of wing it based on the horse? You know, you see that from time to time. And that's the equivalent of asking like uh a professional athlete or a bodybuilder or someone that does triathlons, that'd be like going up to that dude and saying, so you work out? It's like, yeah, I do. And um, I don't even know where to start, honestly. And that might sound a little bit pretentious, but honestly, what this lady really needs is someone to lay out, lay out the system in much more detail and also find out what are your goals for this horse? What's the timetable? And do we really need to have a big focus on groundwork right now, or can we just leave him alone, let him mature, and then do this much more productively a little bit later down the road? So the last question we'll go into here is a question on lunging on the ground. This person says, I go to yield my horse's hindquarters to a stop when lunging to get two eyes, but instead of yielding his hindquarters and stopping his feet and facing me, he just keeps sidestepping and moving around. He won't actually come to a complete stop. How do I correct this? And so there's three options and kind of a, a fourth option that's like a combination of the first three. We'll kind of lay out these in a little bit of detail. This is in no particular order, by the way. It really depends on the horse. But with a lazy yield, oftentimes, if you've gone to yield their hindquarters, so you've slid your hand down the rope, the hand that's closest to the horse's nose. So if the horse was going clockwise around in a circle, you slid your right hand down the rope, you drew it in toward your belly button, and you stepped to that horse's hindquarters to yield his hindquarters and get two eyes. Repeating that process again of slide your hand down the rope, draw it in, step toward the hindquarters and yield. If you repeat that step two or sometimes three times in quick succession, you can eat up the lead rope until you can get up closer to the horse where you can actually spank his hindquarters. You're within reach to spank him on the hind end. And because a lot of times if a horse is drifting sideways like this, it's because he's not doing a a good crisp yield. He's kind of being lazy. He's not actually disengaging. He's kind of halfway turning and then just kind of sauntering around on the edge of the circle. So if you can shorten, you can eat up the distance of lead rope between you to where you can lean over, look at that outside hip and spank on those hindquarters and get him to jump that hind end across, a lot of times that'll smarten up the yield on a lot of horses. It'll get them disengaging their hindquarters in a crisp and responsive way, and that itself will stop this issue with drifting sideways. Another option you can try is that you actually, with your lead rope hand, you jerk on the lead rope, you jerk on the halter up and away from you. So if the horse was going clockwise, you're going to use your right hand on the rope to kind of jerk up and across your body, almost like you're taking your hand up and toward the horse's hip or toward the horse's tail. And what that does is by bumping on the halter like that up and across with rhythm, you're encouraging the horse's front feet to shut down and and stand still. 
and hopefully his hindquarters swing around more into place. You're basically encouraging those front feet to lock up so he stops shuffling sideways. Sometimes you can kind of do a combination of the two. You can step in and yield that hindquarters much more aggressively, which ultimately that's the third option is simply do a more aggressive yield, make a bigger point about getting those hindquarters disengaged and moved out of the way and getting two eyes. A lot of people are not aggressive enough. They don't step in there with enough authority. They don't get two eyes with enough intensity and respect and responsiveness. And that's why everything else within the lunging process is sloppy, is because they're really not demanding enough out of their horses, and the horses are just kind of sauntering around with a glazed-over look, not putting effort in. You up your expectations, especially in that yield, a lot of times that fixes these issues. Or sometimes it's a combination. You've got to step in and yield more aggressively because the horse is being lazy about moving the hip over and giving two eyes, but you can also, in conjunction with that, bump up and across with that lead rope to further discourage those front feet from moving. You can put energy into the hindquarters and get them moving away and then shut his front feet down by bumping on the halter. While I hope this Q&A session was helpful, even though we concentrate on a lot of performance horse subjects, we try to provide a good balance of basic and foundational training and some of these other things in addition to talking about the two-year-old performance horse program and some troubleshooting in like the reining and cow horse stuff. Those of you listening, I hope you enjoyed it and got value from it. If you have questions of your own, feel free to message Lundahl Performance on Facebook. Thank you for listening to the Project Horse Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating to help more horsemen like you find our content. You can also check out the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. There you can message us with any questions or training topics you want covered on the show. You can also learn about our training program, clinics, lessons, and the consulting we do for horse owners across the United States and abroad. Thanks again for listening. 